pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Ryan. Big Jim and Gertie are with me as usual. We'll be looking back at all the Premiership action and how Wales and Scotland started their autumn series. Plus we'll be looking ahead to England returning to action this weekend and we'll be joined by Sale, England and British and Irish Lions back row Tom Curry. So settle back, enjoy and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. How's your week, guys? You're back, Andrew. Yes, I am back in the mighty England. It's a lot colder here, let me tell you. And I've had, I've had a tough weekend, I ain't gonna lie. I say a tough weekend, it was an enjoyable weekend, but it was very... Chocolate, sweets, cake, trick or treating. Normal. Yeah, for me it was normal. But I mean, tell the arse that this morning on the bog. But yeah, I mean, we had the <laughs> we had the twins' fourth birthday party yesterday. And God, didn't we know about it? Did we not know about it on social? You got to put your best life out there. Happy birthday! Sorry, I meant to say happy birthday. There you go. Sorry. And we enjoyed. They are obsessed with the video. So Jim sent me a video to the millions of listeners. You were dressed up as Spider-Man, weren't you, for uh, Halloween? No, not for Halloween. That was just, Beck asked me to dress up like that for on Saturday. So I sent you the, the birthday message just before. Nice. So that, that's back on, is it now? Bit of um, role-playing with the missus. Well, you can, you can call it role-playing. I'll just call it messing around. <laughs> for the millions of listeners, Jim sent me a, uh, a video to the twins dressed as Spider-Man. Yeah, the twins are obsessed with it. They got bikes to their birthday with helmets, and I always say Jim is a helmet, and I've got them to say that on a video, which we sent to you, James. So yeah, they had a lovely day. Family was there. The cake was just ridiculous. I'm I'm feeling a bit bloated today because of that. I might have to get back on the bike this week, but it's good to be back, although it's about 20 degrees colder than we were, actually 30 degrees colder than we were out in Dubai. I love how Goody has not mentioned the clocks going back because it doesn't affect him at all. Do you know what I mean? The nannies are in there. The cleaners are in there. First up, Pablo's in there. Pablo's back, mate. Whipping up the pancakes and syrup and hazelnuts that are roasted on syrup and honey. And there's me, R4 in the morning. My eyeballs are literally in the back of my head. I can barely see. Beck can barely see. We're like, it's dark outside. Who in their right mind said, I tell you what, let's put the clocks back. Let's just do that. In the winter, where it's cold and it's miserable, and Christmas is a long way away. But yeah, that's what they've done. So I'm tired. There's not a lot else happened in my life. Andy Rowe, thanks for asking how my week was. It's the calm before the storm, as we know. I'm building nicely to Wednesday when we're heading to Cardiff off the back of, let's just pretend Wales won and didn't get an arm put on them. And I've got a busy few weeks. So when we go to Cardiff, we need to drink responsibly. I'm putting a cap on. 15, 20, I said to the messes, because <laughs> I've got a busy few weekends coming up. I'm doing the big ones. I'm doing the Italian games for Amazon, the All Blacks match at the weekend, then the two big ones, Argentina and then Uruguay. So I need to be fully loaded for the pronunciations that are coming my way. 
so just 15-20, we'll cap it on Wednesday night in Cardiff, but that is the calm before the storm. So basically, I didn't do anything at the weekend is what I'm trying to say, apart from get up early. It's an extra hour in bed though, Jim. The clocks go back, you get an extra hour. No, you look, well, yeah, you, you get an extra hour if the kids sleep an hour, but R5 is actually R4, <laughs> or R6 is actually R5. So we were half 4 slash half 5 what, Either way, it was dark, and it got to 8 o'clock last night, and I'm absolutely ball-bagged. <laughs> what about you, Goody? Are you looking forward to Wednesday in Cardiff as well? Yeah, can't wait, actually. It's, you know, we, the last time, one of our very last shows was there, wasn't it, down in, at the depot. So uh, I hope How do you say it? You, do you call it the depot? Well, the depot, the depot, what is it? Well, it's the it's the depot if you're a millionaire like yourself. It's a, it, everyone else, it's a depot. Okay, we're going to the depot in Cardiff, staying over there. Mrs. is like, hey, when are you back? You're driving? I'm like, driving? What are you on about? I'll be back probably Thursday, maybe even Friday if it's a good night. So, um, Talking about fun, I just want to get a, a gauge um, of what Wednesday is going to be like. Are you bringing the vape, yes or no? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, yes, it's in, it's in. You are, okay. Are the Marlborough, Marlboros coming, yes or no, or the camels? <laughs> no, just the vape, just the vape this time. Okay, so we'll, 15 then. That's what I'm thinking. It's capped at 15, Beck. What's Bobby Skinset's banter like? He's a smooth operator, isn't he? He's smooth. We need to warm him up, is all I'm saying. So there could be a bit of shock and awe. We're going to get people on stage drinking responsibly, singing some songs, telling some stories. He's cut from the old school cloth. He was my captain for the Barbarians when we got run out of Tbilisi in Georgia. So he is pretty loose. Now, I don't know whether he's forgotten this. I mean, Bobby Skinstad was our tour captain. Harry Winkelstein was the guy that got run out of Tbilisi, Georgia, is all I know. So we're hoping to see a bit of Harry Winkelstein on Wednesday from Bobby. Apart from being a smooth operator, looking unbelievable for his age. I think he's about 63. <laughs> and he looks like... <laughs> he looks about 25. Let's just say we'll warm him up responsibly with 10. I'm not too sure if he's a vapor or a camilla. I doubt that he is looking at his skin. We'll warm him up and... Wales will give him a warm welcome, I'm sure. We've already sold a boatload of tickets, but there are still a couple left. So go to eventbrite.co.uk and search for the Rugby Pod. And there's a free pint, of course, for everyone who makes it as well. Well, shall we have a look at the Autumn Internationals then? Scotland, Jim, great start against Tonga, didn't they? Oh, I wish my match pint predictor, I should have went bigger. But it stopped raining. I went based on the rain. And then I looked into the Tonga team and the fact that they'd only been together for four days... And obviously, Tutai Kefu as well was back in Australia for obvious reasons. And I didn't have the heart. I didn't want to change my prediction with a match point predictor because millions of listeners would have been influenced by me on the Tuesday. But how do I say this with all due respect? It was like a team run. Skid marks. A skid mark team run is all I'm saying. And I feel really bad saying that because I wanted it to be more of a contest against Tonga. And there's probably a separate narrative that we can talk around. Is it fair for Tonga to have a four-day training week with no players? No, it's not. But if we're talking frankly about the game, Scotland played well. It was a walk in the park. There was areas of the game where they need to work on, which is always the thing with Scotland, is around their physicality and some of their collisions. You know, there was a load of new caps, which was positive to see. But I was a little bit disappointed, to be honest, with the match, just because it was that comfortable. You know, how, how, how does any team take anything out of that apart from some finances, which is probably very important for the Tonga team. So fans back at BT Murrayfield, which was great to see. It's good that Tonga got a run out. They've obviously got a game against England. They're going to be better for it. So in that sense, they're going to play against the probably fully loaded England side. The Scotland team wasn't fully loaded. Uh, some standout, Carl Stain got four tries, first Scotland player to do that in Edinburgh at Murrayfield. Gavin Hastings got that before. So to be... 
you know, in the same kind of realm as him in terms of scoring four tries is huge. Rufus McLean, who's been carving it for Glasgow, would look sensational. But I say, look, I feel asked because he looks sensational in open space with no defence. So, you know, I don't think we want to give too much to that game. The big test is going to be against Australia on Sunday, as we know, for Scotland and hoping that we see a better version of Tonga, which I'm sure we will against England. Do you see many changes for the game against Australia this weekend? From the team that played Tonga? Absolutely. So we've obviously got Finn Russell to come back in, who is the standout with Stuart Hogg, who's captain. Stuart Hogg was doing the TV, couldn't play. Played for Exeter on Friday against Gloucester. You've obviously got Sam Skinner coming back into that mix. You've got Grant Gilchrist coming back into that mix. Swinnow? Swinnow, yeah. Yeah, he's not in the squad, oh. unfortunately for him. Uh, he should be in the squad. I don't know whether he's, he said he shouldn't be in the squad, but he should be in the squad uh, in terms of you look at the players in that Scotland squad. But the, the, the eye is on the World Cup. Uh, the big thing will be around the centre partnership. Sam Johnson has been phenomenal for Glasgow. He was brilliant again at the weekend. Sione Tupolotu as well. That's a great Scottish name, yeah. Yeah, just north of the Hebrides he's from, apparently. Um, he could play at 13 as well. But Chris Harris will probably start because he's a British and Irish Lion, deserves his chance. Darcy Graham on one wing, Duan van der Merwe on the other wing. So in answer to your question, Andy Rowe, I imagine the Scotland squad will look very different. And the pressure's going to be on against Australia because there's an expectation now from this Scotland team, having basically won the Six Nations, you know, the big <laughs> win against England, the big win against France. The Australia are a team notoriously that we do really well against. It's a high-scoring game. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what the Scotland team are going to do now. John Barkley mentioned it on Amazon Prime in commentary. This is a once-in-a-generation team. What he means by that is we, we've been shitting years gone by. <laughs> and now we've got <laughs> players that are absolute quality. And you know what? That's probably a really good analogy for the Scotland team. This is once in a generation in terms of the strength and depth and the star quality that we've got. The Scotland team have got to put it all together now. And again, we'll talk about the Wales and the New Zealand game. We're talking about teams, yes, they're well-travelled to get over here, but they're off the back of two months of playing some of the hardest rugby you know, this Scotland team now have got to try and put together a training week with the English base and the French base players back together to try and beat one of the best teams, which is great to say, in Australia. Jim, what you're saying is Australia are going to win. I actually think Scotland are going to win. Really? Well, I'll come to that my match point predictor. Don't ruin it. I just want to peel back to when you were talking about the value of the game for a country like Tonga playing outside the international test window. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's crazy. You know, I did a column for Rugby Pass on it this week where you sit there and you say, we spoke to Bill Beaumont, Sir Bill Beaumont, at the start of the pandemic. And we spoke to Augustin Pichot when the whole battle was going on around who's going to be named chairman of World Rugby with the elections and all stuff like that. And there was a big time when we all said, this is the, this is the opportunity for change. It's an opportunity to get the global calendar sorted, to align everything as much as we can. And to me, nothing's happened. What's the point of having an international window if countries are just going to play games outside of the international window. Now, a lot of countries are doing it. So England have done it before. Obviously, Wales do it regularly. And there's always this issue around, you know, where do players play? Look at Scotland. And Jim's just reeled off a few names there that couldn't play for Scotland this weekend against Tonga. And the Tongans, bless them, they've put a, a, a scratch team together. I know there's issues around COVID and travel and all this, but they haven't had their best opportunity to play against a Tier 1 nation at Murrayfield with their best team, where they can really, you know, make a standpoint around where they're at in terms of the game. So they've, they've picked a lot of guys that, you know, some of them are, aren't even full-time professional rugby players. 
and it's really tough on them. But World Rugby, what are you doing? Because as an international window, what's the point of having an international window if you're going to let international teams play outside of the international window? Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense to me. So when we're trying to align, and I get the whole thing around COVID, and you know, look at Wales. Apparently, they made four million quid from the game at the weekend, two million to the All Blacks, and you know, everyone's looking at it, going, "Oh, it was great to see the Principality packed." Well, it was Wales missing probably five of their best players, uh, and it was All Blacks full noise, you know, absolutely dominant, and you know, it leaves a bit of a sour taste in the mouth because. World Rugby, and fair play to them, and I'll come on to it later, that they've kiboshed this World 12s competition, said they're not going to sanction that. But what they're doing, and you talk about player welfare, they're just trying to squeeze as much into this calendar as possible where people can make money. And I get we've got to make money, but if you've got an international window, World Rugby should be strong enough to say you only play internationals in that international window or extend the international window and clubs have to move their seasons around. But we sat here 18 months later into a pandemic and to me, nothing's happened. I haven't seen any progress on a global calendar. I haven't seen any progress on, you know, a line in the world game, yet we're still having these conversations. Oh, we've got gumshields on the way though, Andrew. Gumshields are coming, yeah. My God. I, this is what, I don't want to get too deep on it. I was having a chat at JJ's Rugby with some of the dads there. There's some big issues in rugby that need tackling. See what I've done there. But, there really is. There, there really is. Like, you know, we've got a platform to talk about it. And I think at some point we probably need to go deeper on it. Fair play to Tonga. They fronted up. Them games could be unsafe. You've got semi-professional rugby players get, playing against professional rugby players. Andrew might argue that professional Scotland rugby players uh, would be very different to an All Blacks team. No. That put on 100 odd points against the USA. There's too many games of rugby. We need to condense that. And we're going to globalise the season. Done. It can't be that difficult. Someone just needs to make a decision, for God's sake. Jim Hamilton for leader. You've heard it here first, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. I will lead rugby out of this parapet or whatever it's called. <laughs> Fire pit. And it doesn't get any easier for Tonga this weekend. What are you expecting from England in that game, Goody? Yeah, I'm quite excited to see, firstly, what Team Eddie picks. Hopefully, fingers crossed, looking at Marcus Smith at 10. And Owen Farrell at 12. And I think kind of Eddie Jones implied that would be the way they start off. But he's also mentioning people like Freddie Stewart and Adam Radwan uh, in snippets as well. So, you know, we're looking for a seismic shift in how we attack. You know, we, we spoke about it compared to the Six Nations last year where you go back to that Scotland game that Jim thinks Scotland won the Six Nations because they beat England at Twickenham. We just kicked the leather off it when there were overlaps. Now, it seems to be this decent mindset shift in the England camp around attacking players, around premiership form, around exciting youngsters with speed and pace and everything that you want and energy to take England's attacking game to the next level. Now, we don't want to lose some of the good parts of of what England are good at. Uh, Set-piece dominance is something that has been a staple of English rugby for a long time. Um, you've got to have a solid kicking game, but also you add in the intricacies of a better attacking game, and Keith Gleeson's going to have a lot to do with that as as the attack coach now. Having the, the likes of Marcus Smith, perhaps having Rafi Quirk on the bench to come on uh, for Ben Youngs, you know, seeing a reinvigorated Ben Youngs playing some front foot rugby. And I, I feel for Tonga, I really do, because if Scotland can put 60 on him, 
with a half-baked team. And I don't mean that disrespectfully to Scotland because they were missing the likes of Hogg, Finn Russell, Hastings, Harris. I don't want to sound like England could put 100 on Tonga this weekend. That's so arrogant. Andrew, you finished bottom of the Six Nations. Like, how, how are you thinking that? You're effectively, at the minute, as it stands, a Tier 2 nation. I'm just just going on, on the facts of history. Yeah, I don't think that's true, James. But yeah, I mean, I'm genuinely excited to see what Eddie Jones is going to do. We, we've gone through a bit of doom and gloom where he wouldn't pick players that are in form in the Premiership and he'd just go back to what he knows and you know what got him to the World Cup final in 2019. But the game's changed. The game's moved on. And we're now seeing, hopefully, the fruits of some quality premiership operators playing at a pace and at an intensity that you know some players like myself could only dream of. I mean, imagine, Jim, you playing with the likes of Don Brandt or Sam Simmons, Marcus Smith. I mean, the game is immeasurably different now, isn't it, to what we know? Yes, I don't know where you want me to <laughs> even put myself or my name into the echelons of them players. It absolutely is. And whereas a game against Tonga, notoriously years ago, if there was a few changes like there will be in this England team with the the age profile and the new caps, you could have seen it would have been a more stuffier game. And this is what I said before the Scotland-Tonga game. I said it was going to be 40, 50 points. No, I didn't. But actually, you look at it, this England team should win comfortably because of the level in which these players are already at. There's, there's not a huge difference between standing out of Prem Rugby and playing and playing well internationally in a team like England. Speaking of England, we can have a chat now with Sale, England and British and Irish Lions back row, Tom Curry, who joins us from camp now. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. Good, thanks. Thanks for coming on. Cheers, Tom. How is it today, mate? You must be peacocking around camp after Eddie Jones said you're the Richie McCaw of England. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> I think that's the beauty of camp is we can get stuck into it. I mean, Carl Sinclair's had me in the saunas and uh, we've been driven hard and um, I think that's the beauty of camp, really, is you, 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 get, you get into the meat of the work straight away. Yeah, come on, Tom. I, I do want to ask you, because I know part of, obviously, you being in England camp is you've got a big game and a big few games at the weekend. Just looking at the t- kind of trajectory of your career, and, you know, Eddie Jones did a, a tough interview, I imagine, for him on BT Sport, and he got asked a really good question about individual players, and we know it's a team sport, but for youth, I don't know if you've seen it or you've, you must have heard little snippets about it, but he speaks really, really highly of you. And you look at the profile of the players in that England team. Like, what's it like to be spoken about? I obviously joked about the Richard McCaw thing, but he mentioned it. What's it like to be spoken about in that esteem? Yeah, brilliant. I mean, you know, from a, a guy that you hugely respect to have a you know a positive opinion about you is brilliant. And I, I, I think for me, it's a team sport, but to, to bring you the best of you in a team, you've got to bring the best of yourself. So I guess that's the aim for every individual, really. And hopefully the outcome of the team will, 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 will then be better. Yeah, I'm absolutely loving the straight back you've just given us there. But the millions of listeners need to know what banter Genji gave you in the sauna today. And did you bring Eddie Jones an apple this morning as his teacher's pet? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be honest, I, I genuinely haven't seen it. I know... Um, Someone came up to me and I was like, what are you on about? But yeah, yeah, you, you can probably imagine what Genshin thinks are talking about in a sauna. <laughs> Good stuff. How's the week been then? Obviously over in Jersey, something different for you guys. It's been tough, I'm sure, over the last 18 months with all the bubbles you've had to live by. But Jersey seemed like a bit of fun. You're out there swimming 700 metres out into the into the sea. I mean, how cold was that? And how shriveled up was everyone when they got back in? Some were colder and more shriveled up after being out there for an hour and a half, probably <laughs> half an hour. Yeah, we had the anchor, Carl Sinclair, holding us down. But no, it is it, brilliant. I think, you know, Jersey is a place obviously very quiet, but kind of what we did, the, the beach activities and then the training went really well. And I think the whole transfer and the feel of the camp was really exciting. I think the mood and the blend of players was brilliant. So, um, 
yeah, it's a really good confidence boost going into this week. And how is it, Tom, being back in camp off the back of the British and Irish Lions tour, the COVID bubble, a tough Six Nations? I think everyone said that who's been involved in the England camp. It almost feels like it's a fresh start for this England team, new players in the mix. But what's it like being back in? Oh, absolutely. I mean, usually between camps, it, it, it is a fresh start because there's bits and bobs, but it actually does feel like a proper f- fresh, fresh start. Um, whether that's you know new players coming in or you know we're allowed we're allowed out a little bit more, um, it it generally does feel like that. So that I think that's a it's a really exciting part to look forward to for the, for this camp. Um, we we can properly get to know each other, sort of thing, and then we can attack the rugby as well. Um, so yeah, no, lots to look forward to. Yeah, definitely. Now, Eddie Jones is someone that's talked you up on uh, on TV, but a mate of mine, Mark Cueto, has talked you down for your bench press technique that they put out there the other day. He's just calling you half reps or something. I just can't believe the, the audacity of Mark Cueto, who never did a gym session in his life, really. You taking that to heart or not? Not at all. You've seen the, the, the shape of it at the minute. <laughs> I have, yeah. I have. <laughs> yeah, um, true. Worse than me. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, I was looking at that back and I was like, it's, it's quite suspect. But yeah, I'm not, not taking it from him, maybe someone else. And that's that's that seems to be a bit of a theme at the minute. There seems to be, you know, this fresh start. You know, you're seeing a lot of clips come out on social media, and the lads seem to be enjoying it. You know, the build up to the World Cup in two years starts now, and Eddie Jones has made that pretty clear. Has there been a seismic shift in the mentality of how the team are going to play as well? Because ultimately, you know, with some of the characters in the squad, he's talked about your ball carrying, he's talked about the pace and exciting young players that are coming in. Is there going to be a shift in in terms of attacking mentality? Yes, I think ultimately, you know, to play your best, you, you've got to be you've got to be yourself, don't you? That, that starts obviously on an individual basis, but also on an England basis. Like, what are England really good at? And like keeping hold of that because that is who you are, sort of thing. And then we can start to add things, you know, uh, whether it's moving it forward in terms of attack. Yeah, to answer your question simply, uh, yeah, it's going to move forward. The way we're going to play is, is going to move forward and shift. Whether that's and and but that's just how the game's going at the minute, isn't it? everything starts to change and it probably will in a year so we'll probably have to move forward again so yeah hope you know ideally I'm going to say yeah but it's a team sport so we'll have to find out but one thing I know is we're going to attack it and properly train it this week yeah and you're looking at the young squad now there's a lot of players just coming in um, who had their first taste of it over the summer I rewind at the start of your career for England 2017 British and Irish Lions tour to New Zealand but you played for England against the Barbarians didn't you and got man of the match do you remember who gave you man of the match that day and set you on this pathway to, to greatness? Was it you? It was, yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't too obvious. <laughs> it was, but it's been remarkable. You're looking at some of these young kids in the squad now coming in for their kind of first real forays into, into the England squad. Someone like Callum Chick, who's batting for number eight, as well as Don Brandt and, and Simmons. There's a lot of exciting youngsters as well that you're helping along the way four years down the line in your career. Yeah, I guess when you say it like that, it does, it does feel quite like... Special to be to be on that sort of journey and trajectory, but it, it shows the strength of English rugby at the minute. You know, you've got three unbelievable players in in, in the same position, and, and and it's brilliant for the, you know, not just to see from like a back row perspective, but also as a team, like being able to push training and make it super competitive. I think is is only a positive. But yeah, you know, that's the aim of it, isn't it? To get people in who aren't just coming in for one camp or two camps, but you know, 10, 15 camps and getting 50 caps sort of thing. Tom, what's it like being a professional rugby player now? And I say that, me and Goody obviously had long careers. Not obviously, you might not be aware of me or him and how we played, but the game is very different now in terms of professional, you, the social aspect's very different, social media. Like how enjoyable is it being in a position like you? Do you, do you, do you find that it is really enjoyable or there's pressures and all these things you have to deal with externally? 
Uh, of course it's precious, but I think for me, it's probably, you have to know yourself and you've got to be properly conscious of it. Like for me, just learning about like what you like, like do you want to go to a sauna, ice bath, sauna, ice bath on your day off? Do you need to just go out and forget about rugby and, and just be with the family? Um, do you need someone to run your social media? Like it's just different bits and bobs like that. It probably can pull back from you if you don't think about it and be conscious of it. But if, if you think about it and, and kind of understand what you need and you only get that from properly thinking about it, uh, and I'm talking on and off the field, if, if you think about what you need and you do it, then then that takes away everything and you can just properly enjoy the game. Tom, you mentioned before the goals of the England team and, and how you guys want to play and the style that you want to play. As far as you go, what, what are your individual goals and like where do you see your game evolving and do you have any weaknesses that we might not see that you're working on in the background? No, for the short term it's probably attacking and getting involved in link play more and that's probably coming like anticipating the game a bit more and you get that from experiencing it, working and training, watching games and, and understanding angles. I think I think Messi's a good one to look at in terms of football and the way how efficient he is and how he gets involved in games. And it's not necessarily through, you know, running the furthest. It's it's being smart about it. And obviously, I'm not saying I, I want to work less. I want to work hard, but you get more change out of, of, out of what you're doing sort of thing. Good stuff. Um, just tell us what success looks like for England over these next three games. It's obviously a first step for this new squad. You'll compare yourself to Lionel Messi, which I love. Uh, I, won't, <laughs> I, won't, I won't let Genji see that one either. Oh, but um, no what, what does success look like for you boys over the next three weeks? I think first and foremost, that's why you play the game, isn't it? Um, but then if you don't get that, it's not like you lose everything, is it? So obviously 3-0, the, the best of the best is success, but then you draw it back and boil it down. And, and what probably leads to winning 3-0, well, it's probably, you know, coming together closer off the pitch, you know, bringing the new lads in, then probably getting a, a better understanding of, of what it takes to play international rugby. That doesn't necessarily mean you get it right or wrong just means a better understanding that they're learning. And I think that's the main thing is that we learn and we and we take a step forward than when we were when we started this camp. Um, and I think if we if we do all those things, then that will lead to, you know, the the outcome. Tom, let's just a, a few lines, Tom. Obviously your relationship with Sale, your club, Alex Anderson, one of my good friends. We've we've had Simon Orange on as well uh, a few times. Uh, what, what's happening at Sale? It just didn't seem to be clicking, especially off the, the back of a, a really good initial period for Alex Anderson and the club. I think, you know, sport, team sport is team sport, isn't it? And and if you're gonna get, as I said before, if you if you're always gonna get 30 people on the same wavelength doing the same thing or the best thing for the team, then Again, you'd all be everyone would be millionaires, wouldn't they? So to put to put an answer to you straight away is going to be difficult. But I think the one thing I can say with confidence is that they're going to come back from this purely because of the way the the way we train. It's all very you know building block, building block, building block, then outcome rather than just focusing purely on the outcome. And whether that's you know getting tighter off the field, pushing smaller standards, whether training needs to get better, uh, the analysis we do of teams, I think. They will find a way. I think, you know, Alex, as well as I do, the way he thinks about the game and how invested he is in the game and the team and people uh, and people's families and people's dogs. Like he's invested in the whole thing, isn't he? So the one thing I can say with confidence, there will be a, a turnaround. And I know sale lads are very receptive of that. All right, Tom, thank you so much for coming on the show, mate. Really appreciate it. And best of luck this weekend and for the rest of the autumn. Cheers. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Cheers, Tom. Good luck, buddy. No worries about that Thanks, man of the match mate. as well. You're welcome. <laughs> Good lad. Top lad.
I, you know, I set him on his pathway. I remember it. I don't even think, I think he came off the bench. England against the Barbarians, 2017 at Twickers. And I'm commentating for Sky. And he came off the bench and was just after about 15 minutes, I think, if I remember right. He was ridiculous. And I don't even think he was supposed to be playing. I think his brother, Ben, was meant to be on the bench. Ben pulls out. I mean, what about that for twins? Your brother's meant to be starting or on the bench. He, he pulls out. You get involved. You get man of the match courtesy of me. And then you just fly. You get your capped against Argentina next week. And now you're Eddie Jones' best player. So He's 23 years old. I was just looking back at his age. You forget that sometimes, don't you, young man? Uh, going about their business at such a young age. But no, quality player. And I know he didn't want to talk about it, but if you've got a coach of Eddie Jones's calibre, and I very rarely hear him talk at players, let's be honest, that is probably one thing that he doesn't do in the media. He has likened Tom Curry to the go-at of rugby. There ain't been a better player. In my, in my opinion, there has never been a better player than Richie McCaw. And if you're being compared to even his left bootlace testicle and I say what either anything a strand of hair then you bet you know you best be good and you probably are good and he is good let's chat about Wales now then they were missing a few men but what did you make of their defeat to the All Blacks Goody it's a tough one isn't it they were missing a fair few players actually things in the game transpired against them a little bit you know, Ross Moriarty goes off injured Alan Wynne jones goes off injured they're up against the All Blacks who are probably still reeling a bit from losing to South Africa a few weeks ago so they've probably redoubled their efforts in everything they do which is top tier stuff anyway it's difficult one isn't it because there was a lot of passion inside the stadium the, the noise at the start was amazing but I think the writing was on the wall when poor Gareth Anscombe in his first real touch throws an intercept to Bowden Barrett and he goes under the sticks. And it's just a, you know, I felt France come a bit because your first game back at international rugby after battling so hard from a horrific knee injury that just got worse over time and, you know, two years out. So then to be chucked in against the All Blacks, which no player would want to turn down, don't get me wrong. He shouldn't have played though, Goody, should he? I don't know. I mean, the romantic in me was happy to see him back in a Welsh shirt playing against the country of his birth. But you tell me, like, so you, you put yourself in that position. If someone said to me, you're Gareth Anscombe, you've been through everything, you get a chance to play against the All Blacks, you haven't played rugby pretty much for two years, you've played a few games leading up to it, but that's what you live for, isn't it? It was tough for Wales. Listen, you know, everything we just spoke about around world rugby and, you know, the, the international window, it was a hide into nothing really for me. And I think the difficult thing is not only with the players that were missing bigger as well at 10 and a couple of others, Reese Zamet, would have added value, but they had a load of injuries as well. So there's no Navidi, there's no Liam Williams. You know, you start looking at the real top tier players that they've got George North out injured. The success they had in the Six Nations last year, you've ripped a lot of that team out purely because of injuries and unavailability. So it was a tough day at the office. I thought Wayne Wright in the back row was phenomenal at times. He seems like he's got absolutely everything as a player, but, you know, they're up against it. And Alan Wynne Jones, you know, his 149th cap taking him one pass to Richie McCaw as, you know, the most capped international for a country ever. And then you see him walk off with his shoulder again. And and Jim, you know, I know that you've had some shoulder issues in your career. Things transpired that went against them. And then the, the All Blacks, the way they played was just phenomenal. You know, they ripped teams to pieces. They're attacking game. When you bring in Sevi Reese on and he's just having fun out there and the offloading game is just phenomenal. Every player can seem to do everything. You know, they can run hard, they've got footwork, they've got offloading game. They, you know, the, the way Ardy Severe played and they, they picked and went explosively around the breakdown, it was just, it was a lesson, wasn't it? And all my skid marks in Wales could have been a lot worse, but actually, 
you know, there were some reasonable things for them to hang their hat on going into what is a very tough autumn series for Wales. You know, Wayne Pivak said after the game, if you listen to his comments around, you're talking about playing a team that is battle-hardened for international test rugby. I said the same around Australia, obviously playing Scotland at the weekend. You're talking about a team that have been together for two months, uninterrupted, in a bubble, playing at the highest, highest level. And I don't want to say that this Welsh team was a scratch team, but not only was it inexperienced, the regions haven't been playing that well, really. Injuries, you lose your captain, you lose one of your hardest players in Ross Moriarty. And yes, you know, there were some real positives in that, like Basham was was outstanding, yeah. I agree with you. Uh, Wayne Wright as well, who I've always been a big fan of. You look at someone like Adam Beard, I think he's played a game and a half, a game and a half in the URC, and you're up against Retallick and Whitelock. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like you're on for a hiding, unfortunately. So I think like we should shout out to how good the All Blacks are as well. And actually, we can sit here and we could be down on the result. But the occasion that Ware was put on is absolutely fantastic. And again, you look forward to their game against South Africa. They've obviously got guys coming back. Uh, Bigger Roo, hopefully, if, if he's fit after going off injured against Leicester at the weekend. Uh, they're going to be in a better place. But I'll just kind of reiterate the Gareth Anscombe point. It's not about him saying, oh, no, I'm not fit to play. I don't think Wayne Pivak should have picked him. You can't be out for two years and playing in the URC where the standard in terms of what he's been accustomed to and then play against the All Blacks at the weekend yeah. off the back of the reasons I've just said. It's mental, absolutely mental that I, that he was playing. So yes, he probably will be better for it. I didn't think he looked fit either. I thought he was limping. He was getting charged down, as in not charged down, but as in like the players were running towards him, charging him down. It is his standing foot that he injured, kicking, uh, if that's how he did injure it. But I'm, I think that that's how he did do it. It's it's tough for him, but he's a, he's a world-class operator. And I'll just air what Goody says. It was class to see him back. I just wish it would have been from the bench. Well, we should probably get your match point predictions then ahead of this weekend's games. Don't forget, just download the app and join our league to win free pints with the code RugbyPod. It's not too late. And six games means six pints of Guinness to win. Do you know how you got on in the first couple of games? Yeah, I got both games right, didn't I? Well, I mean, it was obvious getting both games right, but the scoreline's key. I was just disappointed that Geordie Barrett missed that last conversion because that would have taken me some more points. But yeah, James, I believe you're, I believe you're ahead of me, James. Oh, am I? Yeah, no, I've not looked. I've not looked at it, but I'm sure I'm 63rd or something like that. But I've not looked. Just hit me. Where am I? Well, Jim, you are actually 63rd. Well done. Thank you. 63 caps for Scotland as well, for reference. Oh wow. Yeah, it's a lucky number for me. And three victories. Well, it wasn't. It was about 18, but anyway, we'll round it down. <laughs> All right, let's have a look at these games then. Ireland, Japan, who's winning and by how much? Who wants to go first? Oh, hardest one to call. Andrew, I'll let you go first. Johnny Sexton's 100th cap, probably. I'm going to go Ireland by 15. Yeah, I'm, I'm confident. Go on, the Irish. Oh, I reckon it'll be closer, but I'm going to go Ireland by nine. Italy, New Zealand. Oh, it's going to be close. I'm there. <laughs> New Zealand by... 60. Oh, I was going to say 60 as well. Uh, I'll go a bit more there. New Zealand by 65. Poor poor Italy. Wales, South Africa. Tough one to call. I reckon you're going to see a, a huge improvement from Wales. They're going to get some couple of boys back from the Premiership and various different players. I'm going to go South Africa by 10. Oh, I was going to go South Africa by 9, so I'll stick to my guns. There you go. <laughs> France, Argentina. Oh, excited by what France can do. Argentina normally rock up against France as well because there's a lot of players playing in France, or they used to be. I'm going to go France by 
13. Oh, yes. France by 12, I was going to say, Jim. Oh, all right. Well, just say 12 then. Great minds. I'm going to say 12. France by 12. And Scotland, Australia. I think we're going to differ here. Because if Jim's patriotic, he'll back his own team. But I'm not going to back his own team. I'm going to back the Aussies. I'm going to say Australia, uh, even though they're missing Quay Cooper and Samuel Crevy. Australia by eight. I genuinely think Scotland will win this game. And I'm going Scotland by six. Oh, you might convince me then, Jim. You might have convinced me. Which bit? That Scotland might win. Yeah, but how? How have I convinced you? Just by saying those words that I generally think. The tone. <laughs> yeah. The tone. Yeah. And England Tonga. England by 70. 70? Yeah. Yeah, I'll go 60. Just trying to be nicer. Well, Bowden Barrett was pretty impressive on the occasion of his 100th cap, but someone else arguably stole the show before the game even kicked off, and we can have a chat with him now. Jarvo69 joins us. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm great, man. How are you? Yeah, thanks for coming on, Jarvo. You've made it now. You're on the rugby pod. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I can retire, I you, can retire now. <laughs> you can. Uh, just talk to us. Back in the office today, was it? It doesn't look like prison to, to me. Oh, no, it is. Yeah, no, no, it's all right. It's the white walls. <laughs> I've got no ones. I didn't even get arrested for it. They just kicked me out. <laughs> and let's talk about that, because obviously we've seen, you know, the cricket one was hilarious. You're going out with the bat and the pads, and the pads yeah. weren't on properly. You know, at the weekend, you've gone on with the full... All Blacks jersey on the full kit. The only thing that probably let you down was the mask. Yeah. And the belly. This is what happened. When I got there, yeah, there weren't no stewards at the bottom of the steps to jump on. And then all the stewards come. And I was like, no, but then one move. So I had to quickly take my jacket off and walk down and jump over quickly. And I forgot about the mask. <laughs> so I think I gave it away. But I think if I'd have got on there without the mask, I think I'd have been on there a lot longer. Uh, Jarvo, from me, uh, what does the 69 stand for? Is that your favourite number or what? Yeah, it's my favourite. I think it's everyone's favourite number. It's a good uh, <laughs> <laughs> <fight> number. <laughs> Your whole sketch, you, at some point you've got to get dressed and changed into the full gear. Do, do you get nervous around it? Is it something, how much planning goes into it? When I first started doing it, I don't know if you've seen, have you seen the Olympic diving? Yes. Yeah, you were running up the stairs trying to pull your trousers off. Yeah, that one, yeah. That one, that one I was panicking. I was there like that. And like my, my whole body was like, don't do it, don't do it. But I was like, listen, if you can't do this, you, you, you're going to be a nobody and I was like no no way and that gave me like a mad adrenaline rush but when, I, when I'm like I don't know I suppose like I'm getting more experienced in it now and I don't really get I don't get it as much as I used to I don't know if you saw uh, Brad Webber one of the All Blacks players a replacement scrum half uh, tweeted to try and get you out with them and then obviously realised uh, you're not allowed to go out because of COVID have you had do you have much interaction would you have joined them for a beer uh, I'd, I'd love to join them for a beer I'd love to I'd love to I'd love to go out there for a few beers. Yeah, that'd be great. Maybe maybe next year. Maybe next year when things are back to normal. How much is all this costing you? It costs a little bit. The kit, I think maybe the kits cost more than the actual ticket. <laughs> um, the All Blacks kit's expensive as well. I tell you now, they fucking charge a bomb for that. Yeah, I know. I'm just like, wow. They go up each other. Like, they can't go up even more. But Give us a ballpark number. How much are they stinging you each time you go out there? I've never been fined for one of them. Really? Yeah, nothing. And can you monetize it? Is there a business plan here or what? Paddy Power will be loving it. I uploaded it to TikTok. It was going viral. I woke up this morning and he logged me out. I was like, what's going on here? Logged in. He's like, your account has been permanently deleted due to uh, multiple violations. And I'm like, I've never had a violation on there at all. All right, Javo. Well, I think we'll leave it there. Thank you very much for coming on the show. We're obviously very excited to uh, to see what you do next and um, and, and best of luck with it. Yeah, um, yeah, message me, message me in a few weeks, and uh, I'll be back on again. <laughs> nice, look forward to it. Cheers, Java sixty nine. Cheers, mate. Cheers, my man. Take care. Good lad. 
weird lad, weird lad. Sorry, good lad, good lad, yeah. weird lad. I don't know whether like, I'm watching it and there's like the kid in me, and this kid in me used to be in the Rooftown Clan, remember in Coventry back in the day. And that kid in me actually quite enjoys it, but there'll be a part of me in terms of, uh, you know, being as hype in the media as we are and influencers that it's like, should he be doing it? Yeah, go on. Go on, he should. He, 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 I'll be honest, if we're speaking frankly, if he's going to do that, you're going to stand with the All Blacks. If you're with the R- Romanian team, you might get away with it. <laughs> Mate, you're probably going to need to bring the body fat down by about 33% in order to stand there. In, in all blaze of glory with the All Blacks. But, mate, nonetheless, it's given us a chuckle this weekend, hasn't it? Yeah, the mask gave it away. And there's one where he's done the cricket one. And as they're, the stewards are trying to get him off, his belly's popped out as well. So, um, yeah, that's the thing I'd worry about. You see belly falling out or your pants falling down or something. So, uh, fair play to him. He's making people smile. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. All right, then let's round up the Premiership action. Now, Leicester scored more points than they ever have before in the derby against Northampton. What happened at Franklin Gardens? I mean, I should normally stick to what I know best, which is around the driving line-out, tackle Jacqueline, kick chase and carrying but actually I need to go further afield <laughs> from that George Ford my goodness me and Namani Nandolo just to pick two out of that back line absolutely phenomenal Leicester wow 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 they look unbelievable yeah. at the minute Andrew I'll just leave it there because I could talk about the collisions and the steps before collisions and winning that fight through but how good is George Ford at the minute yeah he was phenomenal you know not only at 10 but also when Richard Wigglesworth got Simbin, so he steps up to nine. Some of those box kicks. Now, anyone looking at box kicking thinking it's an easy skill, scrum halves take hours, spend hours and hours honing those skills. Everyone just thinks they can step up and slot a a box kick, no problem. I've tried it. It comes off my shin. But George Ford, his all-round game management, the drop goal, you know, just understanding when Leicester were down to 13 players with Wigglesworth and Jesper Visa in the Simbin, his game control, his game management, his kicking, everything was was outstanding. Distribution. But, you know, the four pack generated a lot of go forward. The physicality, Montoya in the front row was phenomenal. Uh, Jasper Visa going around banging boys legally and illegally. Uh, he's got to be careful, actually. He has, and offloading as well. Yeah. I, I know we spoke about it last week. Ridiculous offload in the sale match. Yeah. But, yeah, again, his hands, unbelievable. He's away with South Africa now, though, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he is, yeah. And Van Staden as well. So, you know, it's a complete yeah. performance by Leicester. They've, Like Jim said, you, you, you need to improve yourself. Get a few Saffers in there and they make all the difference. Van Staden was good, you know. And then 
Nandolo on the wing. Good luck to anyone stopping him. Dan Bigger chased back as hard as he could and thought, will I make it? I'm giving up at that point. If you're seeing Nandolo sprinting down the wing, and I say sprinting, he had a fridge on his back as well. Dan Bigger's done everything he can to try and get back there. And then Nandolo steps, slips over and still gets the ball down. Leicester were class. You know, there were errors in Northampton. Rory Hutchinson played at fullback. You know, really rate him as a player, but out of position playing at fullback and had a tough day at the office, made a few errors. Alex Mitchell was trying to do a bit too much himself, you know, a couple of errors. You know, it's hard because you want to do everything for your team to try and claw them back into a game. But sometimes you just got to let the ball do the work. They had a few 2v1s that would have led to tries that they didn't take. And ultimately, Leicester had way too much for them. Physically, both sides of the ball, they forced errors upon Saints. The kicking game was class and it was pure domination. There's some proper skid marks on that Northampton Saints team. And ultimately, Sam Vesti, you just have to pick your nose again and eat it on camera and the boys will bounce back for you. Well, Sale went down 27-14 at Worcester. Jim, you know Alex Anderson well. How will he be coping with this, mate? Yeah, I don't think he'll be overly happy, to be honest. Got to credit Worcester. It would be easy for them just to throw the towel in if it was Worcester of old. But obviously, Jonathan Thomas, you've spoken about him. Good, haven't you, in terms of what a proud man he is. And fair play to Worcester because Sale are a difficult team to play against with the physicality that they've got. You know, the fact that Sale aren't doing well this year either, which is a surprise. I had them down in the top four. You know, they're 10th at the minute. Worcester 11th, there's a point between them. Do you know what I mean? So we're sat here, or I'm sat here talking about Worcester and if they make the top six, good he said top eight. I'm sure I said top four. Um, (laughs) You know, I'd eat my Timberland boots. But it's a massive win against Sale. It's huge. And, uh, you know, just to pull out a couple of players, Jamie Shilcock at fullback uh, was absolutely class. You know, scored a couple, set one up for Van der Merwe as well. Van der Merwe, big, scored a couple. He'll be back in a Scotland jersey next week. Uh, but it's a massive turnaround for Worcester. You Imagine you get 48 points put on you at home by Leicester and then you go to Saints and get 60-odd put on you. Like, you're down in the doldrums. So to come away and play the rugby that they played, you know, there's a bit of width to the game, a bit of shape. Ollie Lawrence made a difference. Uh, in the centres as well. Really pleased for Worcester to get that victory. And Wasp, you would have been pleased with them, Goody. They got it done in Bath. Yeah, I mean, Bath, uh, you know, when your confidence is low, it's really low. You know, six from six in terms of defeats now for them. It's tough, isn't it? You know, Wasps missing a load of players. They'll be chuffed with that win because although Bath are in the doldrums a little bit, Wasps have got loads of injuries, quite a few players missing. But, you know, Tom Willis stood up, had a big game at eight. Umunga pulled the strings nicely at 10. Jimmy Gopeth gets knocked out by Mike Williams with that red card. Uh, and all I'm seeing there, I'm seeing Mike Williams steaming into a ruck from about 15 metres away. And all I can think of is Jim Hamilton. That's what you used to do every time, wasn't it, Jim? Arms closed. Yeah, think Francois Lowe, Scotland versus South Africa. But yeah, so I don't know, there was a bit of contention around that. Some people said it shouldn't have been a red card because he doesn't actually make head contact. But I think in this day and age, you cannot charge in from 15 metres out from a ruck and, and pile in like that, can you? And that was a bit of a turning point. But I think Wasp fully deserved the win and injury to Dan Robson was was something to worry about. And obviously Jimmy Gopeth getting knocked out, but they'll be pleased. And Exeter were lucky to grind it out at King's home on Friday night, weren't they? Oh, I watched that game closely because of the Gloucester relationship that I have. Basically, my best mate, Ravo's arms there. Thought Gloucester looked good for large parts of it. Um, the weird thing about Exeter, it's twofold because I know I made a statement saying they wouldn't be in the top four. I didn't think they'd be in the top four. They might struggle around the new laws, interpretations around the pick and go. They're actually really good around the pick and go. Of course they are. Where they look poor, extra this season, and Andrew, I don't know, again, being a, a fly half, believe it or not, back in your time, around controlling a game, 
is they look a little bit lost at times, mm. uh, which is not really like Exeter. I thought Gloucester played better, I'll be honest. Uh, I know Rob Baxter was, after the game, said that if they would have lost that game, he would have been happy because of the way that Exeter stuck in there. And, may- and maybe that comment is actually where Exeter are. You'd expect Exeter to win that game. Yeah. Like, as in, you'd say going to that game, extra good to win this game. But I'm just really impressed with Gloucester, how dogged they are throughout. We mentioned the week before around their driving lineup, scored one off the back of that again. You know, there are a few issues around 9 and 10 with Ben Meehan and Adam Hastings in terms of kick, run. Hastings wants to run all the time. Ben Meehan wants to kick. So once they sort that out, I think that they'll be competing very well this season in Gloucester. And I put a tweet out at the end around the line-out drive that Gloucester had and Christoph Ridley ended the game. Don Armand did a fantastic job. But I just think if you're an Exeter or a Saracens or a Harlequins now, you get them calls and not to call out the referees that they've been called out left, right and centre this weekend. But I just felt for Gloucester on that last play of the game. You know, Exeter deserved the win. You know, were they lucky? I don't really know. I don't know if they're lucky. You make your own luck, don't you? But yeah, I think it's a big win for Exeter, to be honest, with how they're playing. And it was more what we're used to seeing from Bristol in their win at London Irish, wasn't it? I mean, all you got to do is look at two of their tries in the first half to know that that is the Bristol way that we've seen over the last couple of years. Toby Fricker and Bates, the two tries they scored were absolutely ridiculous. Like attacking from deep in their own half, handling, offloading, it was great to see. And, and Irish will be disappointed because they defended like heroes last week down at Exeter. And then this week it was a bit of a try fest and they let Bristol dictate the pace of the game. So it's what we've come to, to know around Bristol, how they play. Um, they had their accuracy, they had their punch. You know, they were missing a lot of frontline players as well but the likes of Fricker and Bates you know names that aren't in held in the higher esteems like the Pier Towers and you know all the other big names around Randras and stuff but my goodness they were accurate and they were Harry Thacker made a difference off the bench as well uh, and it's the Bristol that people have kind of expected to rock up every week that, that played at the weekend and you know got a decent away victory and do we want to talk about the Saracens Quinns game yes we do itching for this aren't you Jim <laughs> No, I'm just happy. You know, Saracens were 19 points to nine down at halftime. Quinn's absolutely dominating in what is their cup final. It's their World Cup final, as we saw by the way that Danny Kerr was behaving on some of the celebrations. So in that sense, I'm happy for Saracens. What are you on about, Jim? It's just, I don't know whether it's just I'm scarred. Um, You know, Joe Marler's on Twitter just doing some cryptic tweets around, obviously, the referee. But it isn't obvious it's the referee, or is it? You know, fair play to Quinns. They looked wicked in that first half. The way that they were attacking, I thought Saracen's uh, defence wasn't great in terms of where they've been before. Tyron Green looked fantastic. Lewis Liner as well. Uh, Esther Hayes and how do you stop him? So you look at Quinns and the backbone of that team and how well they've played, the fact that they're the champions. It was going to be a tough game for Saracen's. And after the first half, I was like, this could be, if you're any other team, a hiding. Not for Saris. You know, they just know how to win. Like, they're used to being uncomfortable and, and, and teams going and scoring tries and and looking like it's all out. But you've just got quality in terms of resilience in that team. I thought Loza, who got man of the match, was brilliant at 10. Swinnow was out this world. I didn't really see him much, but I'm telling <laughs> you now that McFarlane, who come on, the young lad, wearing 19, looks the real deal. I know they were bigging him up on BT Sport, but he looks the real deal. It was a shame to see Billy go down without talking about the headline stuff from the game. I just thought the resilience that Saracen showed, just when it really matters, they can turn it on 
They go back to their kicking game. They chip away at the, at the scoreboard. And that is one that got away from Quinns. It really is. They'll be kicking themselves because you're going to struggle to see Saracens not play any worse than that, but be as vulnerable, I suppose, uh, especially going in at half time. Naturally, I'm obviously buzzing for them. Yeah. Just to summarise it, you look at someone like Alex Lewington, who in that first half absolutely butchered a, two, a 2v1. Uh, and that was the thing. That's how Saracens were playing that first half. You know, it was a five-on-one that ended up being a 2v1 that ended up him crowbarring it. And then you go to the end of the game when he makes the break. Loz straightens up nicely, puts Lewington sort of half through a hole, but Lewington accelerates and then finishes off the 2v1 with Jackson Ray in the corner for the winning try. Jim mentions the kicking game. It came from the 50-22 box kick from... Alad Davis at nine, who I think is a really classy player as well. So, yeah, I mean, Lazowski, hell of a player. You're welcome, Saracens fans. I taught him everything not to do, and now he's absolutely tearing up trees at 10. Brilliant player. What about the hit on Kenningham? Did you see when he absolutely mm. slippered Kenningham in Kenningham's face? Kenningham played really well, actually. But when Loz wants to go and do a spot tackle, boom, he hits hard. So you told me about Loz a years ago and said this guy, is this kid, is quality yeah. and is tackling. I was like, mate... What do you mean he's tackling? He's tiny. He absolutely buries some folk. Yeah. So, yeah. Friend of the show. Big shout out to you, Loza. All right. Well, shall we play a little game then? Guess the go at. Oh, yes. Oh, Jim. Week eight and Goody, you're up. Jim has a sports star in mind and you have 60 seconds and as many questions to figure out who he is thinking of. All right. Has he got, he's got a little smile on his face now. <laughs> I'll be honest, it's one of my favourite sports. Oh, God, that's MMA then, isn't it? Okay. Right, Tristan, I, I'm not having this. He's writing stuff down. Hit yeah, me, hit the clock, starting now. Mail. Um, um, uh, um, yes. Uh, football. Um, Hold on, you can't do this, Jim. Stop, um, stop the fuck. Well, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh rugby. Mm, no. Boxing. Uh no. UFC. Uh oh, uh, no. What? <laughs> uh, N- <laughs> NFL. Um uh, no. F1. <laughs> oh, no. Rugby league. NBA. Oh gosh, no. NBA. Oh, what was that last one? No. NBA darts. No. No. Tennis. No. MMA. No. Oh gosh. Oh no. <laughs> Racing. <laughs> oh, what kind of racing? F1. Nope. Racing. Cycling. Nope. Uh, NASCAR. Nope, it's not racing. Sorry, I, I should have said I, that at the start. It's not racing. I ain't got any other sports. Ice hockey. What? Wayne Gretzky. There we go, Andy, right? Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, guess the go out. And how, how have you not got that? Andrew, it's ice hockey. It's one of the most well-supported sports in the world. Yeah, I just don't, I don't follow it, so... Yeah, I don't follow golf either, just yeah. saying. <laughs> That's all right, we'll get that. So, That's the way it's going then. Golf's a frontline sport, ice hockey ain't, mate. What do you mean ice hockey's not? No, you got Wayne Grzeski, what's his name, Grzeski or whatever his name is. Yeah, I know. All right, okay. <laughs> right then, let's finish things off with the good, the bad and the ugly. We're going to start off with the good and Andy Rowe, you're not going to like this one because the All Blacks may have had a fantastic victory over Wales, but I'm going to start off with England. Red Roses, England women team. The Red Roses absolutely smashed the New Zealand Black Ferns, 43 points to 12 over the weekend and made it their biggest ever victory over the Black Ferns. So how do you feel about that, Andy Rowe? Oh, it's just good to see them back out after two years not being on the pitch. Oh, there's the excuse. There's oh, the excuse. excuse. 
Straight excuse, isn't it? It was straight pants down, skids everywhere for the Black Ferns. So big shout out to England's women. The Red Rose is absolutely dismantling the Black Ferns. But we'll stay with New Zealand, Andy Rowe, for you. Thank you. And we'll we'll mention the All Blacks because it was a hell of a performance by them and especially Bowden Barrett getting his 100th cap at the weekend. So an outstanding effort by him and the All Blacks putting 50 uh, on Wales. Pretty impressive performance by them all. We'll stay in that game. James, because while it wasn't his best performance and while he did come off injured, Alan Wynne-Jones gets a mention in the good this weekend. 149th cap for Wales, overtaking Richie McCaw, becoming the most capped test player for a nation. A hell of an effort by him. Obviously disappointing outcome for him in the game and we hope he recovers to go on to the 150R. But Alan Wynne-Jones gets a good shout out for that. Absolutely. Going up to Scotland, James, and via South Africa, but Carl Stain, that good Scottish name, Scoring four tries for the Scots. First Scottish player to do that since Gavin Hastings against the Ivory Coast. They do it against the big teams. They do it against the big teams. Uh, We'll go to the Premiership now and we'll look at our old club, James. Leicester Tigers, they march on. Putting 50 points on the Saints. George Ford moving over 1,500 points in the Premiership. Still got a few to catch me up, but he's some player at the minute, George Ford, playing exceptionally well. Leicester, unbeaten at the top of the league, so massive shout-out to those boys. Bristols, we've given them a bit of stick over the last few weeks for their performances. They bounce back with some scintillating rugby and some absolutely class tries against London Irish in their victory down there. We're going to give a mention to World Rugby, James. Well, I thought you were just bagging them earlier. Well, we we did, but I'm going to mention them in the good for shutting down the World 12s. Oh, well, if if that is the case, here, here. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, we're talking about play well for all that stuff. They came out and they shut down World 12s, so that's not going ahead. So they get mentioned in the good for that. They might get mentioned again a bit later, but not in the good. Uh, but the good this week goes to one team, James. One team, one club. An ex-club of mine, James. It's a bit of a running theme. Not breath again. No, we're not going for breathe. We're not even going for wasps. We're not going for Saracens. We're not going for Tigers. This week, Worcester are going to get the good. They've been absolutely spanked for the last two weeks against Leicester and then Saints. But what a comeback performance. Uh, we bagged them previously. They bounced back this weekend to beat Sale with a bonus point. Shilcock was outstanding. Van der Merwe a couple of tries. Jonathan Thomas has got his boys fighting for him again. So um, when you get put in the bad, when you come back and have a great performance like they did at the weekend, Worcester... There's still the cloud over Chris Ashton and what's happening, but Worcester, you get the good this week. Error. The bad, few bits of bad to get through. We start off in Wales. 32nd consecutive defeat to the All Blacks and the most points they've ever conceded against New Zealand at home. So unfortunately, the Welsh get mentioned in the bad this week. Sale, 10th in the Premiership with two wins after a surprise loss at Worcester. So they get mentioned in the bad. Bath are going to get mentioned in the bad again this week. Played six, lost six uh, after another defeat at home, this time to Wasps. But the bad this week has to go to Northampton Saints, I'm afraid. Uh, we like the coaches there. I like Chris Boyd. He used to coach me at the Sharks. We like Sam Vesti, but you can only be taking 50 points at home, boys, against your nearest and dearest. Leicester came and absolutely dominated them in every facet of the game. So the Saints, unfortunately, this week, you get the bad for taking 50. <laughs> and then the ugly. Two bits of ugly this weekend. Firstly, Mike Williams charging into a ruck from distance with a lot of power. And the knock-on effect was Jimmy Gopeth getting knocked out and spewed out the back of the ruck. Uh, Not a great look and a red card for it. Uh, But the ugly this week goes to World Rugby, James. 
Talk to me, which bets? Well, what's happened? Not a lot, really, James. Uh, Wales might have earned four million quid and New Zealand two million quid, but the tests outside of the international window are a real mess and World Rugby need to sort the global season out as soon as possible. What's the point of having an international window if you're allowing games to go on outside it? Putting pressure on players. We've seen the whole thing around Australia and some of those boys uh, not coming over to play and staying loyal to their clubs. The global season has got to happen sooner rather than later. Sir Bill Beaumont, put the biscuits down, sort the global season out because you shouldn't be playing games outside of the international window. It's not a great look for the game and unfortunately it wasn't a great look for Wales at the weekend. Thanks, Scooty. And you've got a shout-out to finish off with, don't you, Jim? Yeah, I have. It's a big shout-out to Joe Makin who made his 300th appearance for the Hull Ionians. Two bucks uh, on Saturday against Bourneville in National 2 North, the big one. Joe's been at the club for 12 years, captain in the side for seven years before moving into a player coaching role. He plays in the second row and like me, he's absolutely shredded to the eyeballs. Um, it says melted wheelie bin in brackets. That's a bit horrible. Anyway, 300 appearances for one club is an incredible achievement. So he's a club legend at Hull Ionians. T-Mag! Uh, so a big shout out to you, Joe. Let's make that 300, 600. I doubt it, but let's just dream. I'll have an effort. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Gertie. Thanks, Producer Tristan, and thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify as well. Rugby Spot. Spotted Pod, 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 Pod.